Welcome to this episode of Laughing Without Liquor, a woman's guide to living it up without the booze. Join your long-term recovery hosts, Lane Kennedy and Tamar Medford, as they have insightful conversations with others on an alcohol-free journey. We're glad you're here. Now let's dive into this episode. All right, before we get into today's episode, I want you to know that we have an awesome sponsor. Are you ready for it? It's called the Laughing Without Liquor newsletter. You can find out more information over at laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter. But here's the get. When you sign up, you get all of our juicy discounts. Now, the first discount that I want to share with you is my big discount to the class. Have you ever taken the class with Taryn or Sophia or Sam or, I mean, there's so many amazing teachers over there. This is my preferred method of sweat, the class. Not only do I sweat, but sometimes I cry. Sometimes I'm laughing. Sometimes I am, well, definitely I'm getting a workout. Super spiritual, super fun, super funky. Go check them out. But first you have to get on our newsletter over at, you said it, laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter. Grab that newsletter. But you know, when you get into that newsletter, I have something else I'm going to give to you, which is our Unleash Your Self-Preservation. It's kind of a little mini course that you're going to jump into when you join, because we know that you are here to win it every day. So go check that out over at, again, you know it, laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter. Sign up and you'll get all of our juicy discounts. Thanks for supporting our show. And now let's get into today's episode. Laughing Without Liquor, the content presented on the Laughing Without Liquor website and podcast is for informational purpose only and not intended to diagnose or treat disease. Before making any changes to your nutrition or supplementation, please make sure to check with your physician or healthcare provider. Laughing Without Liquor podcast is for general information purpose only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including or giving medical advice and no doctor patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition that they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare profession. So we're just letting you know that we're here sharing our experience, and we want you to take your health serious. So that's our disclaimer. Enjoy the show. What's up, my friend? Mm. So good, right? So refreshing. I'm hanging out with my friend Tamar Medford. And I'm hanging out with my friend Lane Kennedy. We're hanging out with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is laughing, laughing without liquor. No ditty. I caught myself. I I think... The quarter of a ditty that you did counts as a ditty. I'm sorry, but I'm not I'm not letting you have that one. You busted out. You own I that. Started to. Yeah. Oh, gotta own it. Wow. If you're new to the show, we're just, you know, hanging out, talking about recovery. We talk about life mm-hmm. and long term recovery. Tamar, how long are you sober? Just over eleven years now. Yeah, it's a long time between cocktails. It oh, is. Molly. 
Jesus, yeah. I feel like the the only thing that keeps me well remembering is continuing to do the work, but I'm yeah. definitely reminded now with two 18-year-olds. Oh, can't even think about that. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if you haven't checked out our merch, I just want to plug it because I'm wearing our shirt today. Uh, yeah, you are. awesome. You can choose all these different colors. You can find out more over at laughingwithoutliquor.com if you want to support the show. Uh, we also have a self-preservation area where there's a bunch of cool gadgets and products that we absolutely love and use in our lives to help restore our sanity every day. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you wanted to check that page out, uh, that page is another great resource. Uh, so you can find that over at Laughing Without Liquor. And then on top of it, get on our emailing list, right? Our mail email. Yep. The connection newsletter comes out once yep. a week. Boom. All right. Tamar, it's all about you, my friend. Are you okay. nervous? Let's let's do this. Uh, no, I, I think because, you know, that it's I've shared my life mm-hmm. a number of times and I think that it's important to understand where we came from mm-hmm. to see how we've gotten to where we are. Yeah, it's it's a long and winding road. It is. There's another Diddy. Diddy. Uh, so tell us, Tamar, you know, you've been sober a while now. And mm-hmm. before sobriety, you were drinking and using. Uh, you hail from Vancouver, but you were not you were not born there. No, I was not. I Where was were you born? born? In the ne- I was born in the, ne- the Netherlands. Holland, I'm a Dutch girl. <laughs> it's you know um i'm not even gonna say the city actually i will dudrecht that was pretty good i said it the first time dudrecht so it's an old city in the netherlands okay but we did we immigrated Mm -hmm. to canada when i was one so i feel Mm -hmm. very fortunate for that yeah yeah you're like a canadian for real I'm a Canadian through and through. I have the stubbornness of through a Dutch person, but the friendliness of a can- mm. of a Canadian. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. That's why we hang out. That's why we get along. So good. So mm-hmm. uh, I want to go back yeah. in time for a minute because a lot of our listeners just know us in sure. current modern day, right? And I want to go yes. back to when you were in high school. Go back to high school right now. Boom. Be there. <laughs> Are you there? I'm, in. I'm there. <laughs> What are you yeah. wearing? What are you I'm wearing? There. What are you wearing? I wasn't much of a trend person, but I remember the leg warmers back then were in. So I had some you leg warmers. leg warmers? Are you serious? I did at one point. I also also did, you know, the roll up the jeans and roll up the bottoms there. <gasps> you remember that? Uh-huh, that? Uh-huh, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I. But I was a hoodie jeans girl. Did the leg warmers at, uh-huh. at one point when there was that that phase, but I was an awkward teenager. I mean, I kind of was into all the groups. I didn't have one group, but I always felt mm. out of place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I can't. I just can't see you in leg warmers. I didn't see that coming. Honestly, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Did you do any sports? It wasn't pretty. I only owned. Oh yeah. I was incredibly athletic. I did everything I could do. Soccer, volleyball, basketball. 
I actually did really well in soccer. I was drafted at one point. I messed that up. So, yeah. Okay. So how'd you mess it up? Drinking. I was called on a Friday night. Of course, I was drinking with a friend of mine and they were told, hey, you know, we've been watching you play. Come show up to the tryouts on on Sunday and you can be our starting goalkeeper. But I was too hungover. Oh, my God. And didn't show up. And, you know, even though I don't, it would have been cool to see what life would have been like had I Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. had that opportunity. I don't regret it because I am where I am today because of all the decisions I made. Can you imagine your life another way? I, I can't because I have what I would say is a pretty amazing life today. It's not easy, but it's Mm. pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, just thinking about the twenties and the thirties, how those years are so, um, it's trial and error and, and there's a lot of going and trying out there in the twenties and thirties, I feel. And then when we reach our forties, we're like, Oh, I know enough. Right. So let's fast forward to the end of your drinking. Cause I know when you were drinking, you're just drinking. It's like the same story, every story, right? It's like the same yep. mayhem. It's the same, ca- you know, chaos. So let's go towards the end of your drinking and you're thinking about quitting. Did you think about yeah. quitting or did it just like happen? I thought about it a lot. I think I got to a point though where I wanted to end my life. Like Oof. I just was tired of hurting myself I was tired mm-hmm. of hurting other people and mm-hmm. saying sorry like the, the the word sorry doesn't mean much when you're in active addiction and I just remember yeah. sitting on the floor I was married I was 215 pounds I was financially bankrupt you know I I, I was not happy I didn't want to live and exist and I sat mm-hmm. on the floor with a bottle of pills in my hand I had my little pug Rudy who's very cute beside me And I just remember looking at this bottle of pills and saying it would just be this easy. I could just take these pills and end it all right now. And my dog (laughs) sat there and pugs have this very cute, you know, the little head tilt. And Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm, dog mm -hmm. looked at me and just was like, kind of almost, almost asking me like, mom, what are you doing? And Mm -hmm. I love that dog. And it was like this divine intervention happened. And all of a sudden it was, you know, like my higher power now, God, was telling me like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you're here for a reason. And I I stopped. And that that got the ball rolling because I had hired a personal trainer. Yeah. But you just stopped? You just stopped? Drinking? No. Okay. This was, 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 no, 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 no. This was a moment where I knew I needed help. um, But I decided, okay, Okay. there's a reason I'm here. I gotta, I gotta start seeking Mm -hmm. this out. And, but the first thing I never wanted to admit that I was an alcoholic. I thought, well, if I lose the weight, I can heal, right? If I fix how I look on the outside, I can heal who I am on the inside. Not ever thinking I need to quit drinking. I mean, I I kind of knew that because my life was a shit show. Um, mm-hmm. But I hired a trainer. She ended up being part of a 12-step recovery program. Had no idea at the time. We actually went to high school together. And, mm-hmm. you know, through this journey, I started working out excessively. That's a whole other story. Um but I remember there was times where, because I had to record everything I ate 
and drank. And so I would report back on Monday. I'm like, I only had nine beers this weekend. Three every day. Not saying that I drank half a bottle of NyQuil with, after those three beers so I could pass out. But I was so proud. And as I've learned now, if you don't have a problem with drinking, you don't have to justify why you're drinking. And she knew instantly because I would always brag about yeah. how little I had drank. Um, she mm. told me about, you know, hey, I, I don't drink anymore. I'm sober. I'm happy to show you how. And I had one last really bad bender with my ex-husband and quite the bill. And I remember reaching because she had planted the seed. We mm -hmm. went bungee jumping mm -hmm. together and she had planted the seed then. I texted her. I said, I need your help. And that was June Okay, wait, did she 16th. plant the seed when you were going down? Like, how do you plant the seed when you're bungee jumping? Like, come on. No, no. When we were driving, there was a two-hour drive okay. like, what? to the bungee jump location. Uh, and that's the okay. first time we had hung out for longer than, you know, a training session or a quick mm -hmm. bite to eat. And so we had this drive ahead of us, and she kind of planted the seed. Like, she's like, hey, you know, sometimes I have to miss out on our training sessions. I'm part of a 12-step recovery program. And I'm like, I don't need that. Like, good for you. <laughs> but she planted good that seed. You. I know, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm classy. I don't need that. And uh, yeah, when I was in that desperation mode, like, okay, I cannot stop. I reached out to her and that was June 16th, 2012. And the following day was my first day of sobriety. And that is the last time I drank. What was your last drink? Uh, it was a mixture of white wine and oh, beer. I, it no. was terrible. I didn't end it off well. It was hair of the dog. I was trying oh. to get rid of the <laughs> the tremendous hangover I had with the blackout the night before. That just makes me. I know. I know. No, oh. I it wasn't. I didn't end off me. anything fabulous. That's for sure. It hurts me. <laughs> it hurts me. Uh, and so you got into recovery and you just like jumped in with both feet or were you hesitant at all? Did you dig it? Did you like, uh, I'm kind of resistant here. What was your experience the first with that? The first six months, I was like, I'm going to do some of this, mm -hmm. but not all of it, especially the mm -hmm. God thing. But I was desperate. I was, yes, I was desperate enough to give it a try. Because I knew I didn't want to go back there. The one thing I knew is that I did not want to go back to that life. Yeah. Was she all shot up with God and spirit? Yes and no. Yes, because she had a good program and she, you know, had really tapped into that spiritual side of herself. But she, <laughs> I, I say no, because she didn't promote it like that to me. It was very like ease into it, write down what you like, what's your concept of a higher power? What do you want that to look like for you? Right. But how did she present herself? Right. I, f I feel like there's a lot of times when I um, meet somebody who I really, really like, they exude this kind of softness, this kindness. Uh, did she, th this energy kind of like emanates from them. Right. And I call that the God, the, mm -hmm. this, the spirit. Um, did she have that? Mm -hmm. Was she sober long enough to, ha to have she that did. experience where she was, yeah. So that she was super attractive, that. I can yeah. imagine. <laughs> yes. But she was and, also And you're the over there dying in the corner. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it, uh -huh. I, I would say it took me about six months 
and her mm-hmm. really saying, Tamar, you got to let go and let God. And she gave me some very clear cut instructions. She said, mm-hmm. I know you're not going to like this, but I'm going to take you to church and you need to go home and pray that it's okay to let go and let God. And I was like, seriously, like did not half the time didn't like the advice she was giving me back in that first six months because I knew it was true. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did that. I went home. I was desperate enough. I was white knuckling it. Like I wanted to pick up a drink and went to church that Sunday, hot youth pastor subbing in for the pastor yes. that was normally there. Yes. And the first thing he walked over to my side of the stage and I was mm-hmm. with her. Right. So she knew this whole thing that I had done. And I said, I need it to be like bright, shiny, like God, like it needs to be obvious. And this youth, youth pastor looked mm-hmm. over and said, if you're here because you need to let go and let God today, you're in the right place. Oh. And I lay and I started sobbing. And that was of course. my spiritual awakening. It was so profound. Yeah. Like I got in the car yeah. and I couldn't stop crying. Oh, it's so, so that's what that perfect. did for me. Yeah. You're coming back for that hot piece of pastor. That's what you were doing. <laughs> I emailed him actually. Of course you did. Of course. Of course. I yeah. love it. Oh, thank you so much. It was so great to hear you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I get it. I understand. Uh, yeah. So you jumped in six months late. You know, you're in there. You're letting go and letting God. You're moving through your spiritual experience. And uh, what's that husband doing at this point? Actually, he was out of the picture. Oh. He lasted about three months from the time I got sober to mm-hmm. he wasn't having it like he was an alcoholic super nice guy but just not yeah. he was an active addiction yeah. and there was a one time I remember really clearly where I'm like listen can we go one night can we go out for dinner and you not drink mm-hmm. and he's like this is your thing not mine I said I understand that but I would like one night where we can go out and I don't have to watch you get drunk mm-hmm. and we went out and we had nothing to talk about. I knew right then I had to end it. Oh, my God. You know, and he tried to reconcile mm-hmm. later on that year and the following year. But I said, no, I can't do this. Like, it's okay. We're not meant to be together. And while well, there's other reasons for that, which, you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, God. So you jump in. You're in a 12-step program, doing the do, uh, meeting, uh-huh. new, meeting new people. How long mm-hmm. does it take for you to kind of get your life back in line and in order? How long would you think? I would say between the one to two year mark mm-hmm. was the start of building that foundation. I think in year five is when I really started to have, you know, my finances back in order. Yeah. Um, but along with that also came complacency because I'm like, look at me go. Like, look how awesome I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I got my and shit together. a lot uh-huh, of people uh-huh, start uh-huh. to get right? A lot of people start to get their shit together. And then all of a sudden they get complacent and they go back out. Mm-hmm. So true. I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. All the yep. time. I bet. So that was one to five, five, you're feeling good. Um, what made you stay? Like what made you stay and do the practice? I had started to accomplish things in my life that I couldn't even mm-hmm. imagine I would have accomplished. Mm-hmm. I, you know, had paid all my debt off and I was in, I mean, it was, it was pretty bad when I got sober. I lost everything. Hey, just a little reminder, just a little tiny reminder to make sure you head on over to laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter so you can start unleashing your 
self-preservation. We want you to live your ultimate life, and we've got that for you over at the newsletter. Remember, laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter and unleash your self-preservation. All right, let's get back to the show now. But things started to happen. I started making these new friendships, like real friendships. Because when I quit drinking, I lost a whole bunch of friends. A lot of people were like, well, she's not drinking anymore. Like she's not going to be as fun. Or they didn't want to drink around me if I wasn't drinking. And I started making these friendships where I could actually be honest. I could be vulnerable. And I didn't want to lose that. Because I... You know, in 12-step recovery, it's there's a big focus on your life becoming completely unmanageable. And I have always remembered that. I decided to write a book in your, what was it, seven, eight, about that journey. And wow, did that bring up a lot of the, like, my life was a gong show. Mm. And I have to remember that. You've written two books. Two books, yeah. Two books. How, how both in recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever imagine yourself writing some books? No, because (laughs) the, when I graduate, I barely graduated high school, but when Mm. my English teacher put my exam down on my desk, she looked Mm -hmm. at me and she said, Tamar, you need 53% to pass this class. If you do not pass this exam and you're in my class next year, I will make your life a living hell. Mm. She didn't like me very much. That just shows you kind of what a student I How was towards the like end there. You? How is that possible? Oh, my God. It was very different when I was drinking, Lane. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I just can't even imagine. I just can't. Yeah. So, so you passed the test. You passed. To, I, I just passed. I think I got 54%. So, like, just oh squeaked in. But I tried to get into college, couldn't pass the entrance exam because I couldn't write an essay. And so when I just, yeah, when I decided to take on the book, I'm Uh like, let's just write. There's programs that'll help me edit. I can get somebody to edit the book. And I did it. I just, people have told me that when they read my book, it's like sitting there listening to me tell them a story. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. It just proves how capable we are, you are, right, as a sober person, how, mm-hmm. you know, we have th- this mindset, oh, I can't do it. I'm not any good at it. But when we find recovery and we put down the substances, we actually have this inner guidance, this kind of tour guide that says, okay, you're going to go this way now and you're just going to write every mm-hmm. day. How long did it take you to write the second book? A month and a half. Oh my God. Jesus. What? How is that possible? Oh my God. Okay. So if anybody wants to write a book, Tamar is your coach. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) No, it took me two months to write the first one and a month and a half to write the second one because I wanted to make this happen. And I would uh-huh, wake up at uh-huh. 3.30 a.m. every day and write oh, for two hours before I had to go to work. I set myself a goal every day, right. two hours of writing, no matter what. Well, th- there, there it is. Okay, so a couple things. It took me, for my first book, it took me moving to Thailand 
like closing myself away from the world, you know, for six months and just don't not talking to anybody. Mm-hmm. And then for my second, it took me like almost two years to write and get that thing done. And I'm still like, whatever, it's crap. But it's like, it, it again, it just shows the the tenacity, the willingness, the desire that you had to like get something done. And that is the beauty of being in recovery. I see it all the time with women in particular of like, I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. I'm going to graduate, you know, like I never graduated from school, not me, but I've, I've other women, I haven't graduated. So I'm going back to school and I just like, you go do it. Cause you can yeah. do anything in recovery. It's so powerful. Yeah. So that second book, you wrote it, got it out into the world. And I know at that time, uh, you were in another relationship, right? Because I don't think you've had any breaks in your, like you're a, a monogamous, that's what you said, a serial I'm monogamy I'm a serial person. monogamist. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I, I had waited when I got sober, one of the... M- most valuable things, well, one of the valuable things I'd learned was not to get into a relationship your first year of sobriety. And Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. was something I dabbled once, realized it was a big mistake. But for that full year, I pretty much stayed single. For the first year. (laughs) Great. But then I got into another relationship. Yeah. And that relationship was quite a while. That was seven and a half years. That's a long time, mm-hmm. right? How many relationships yeah, have you been time. in recovery? Uh, just uh, two. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, three now, I guess. Right. Serial monogamist. <laughs> That's who yeah. you are. Oh, yeah. God. Before, before, were you not or were you, you know, dating around and sleeping around and... I went through these phases. I would okay. date four years was my limit. I would, you know, I had had, I think, three four-year relationships. And in between there, it was just like, let's get as many as I can in. Oh, my God. Let's do a four-year. Let's get some in. <laughs> I, I was all over the map. But now that I'm getting to know myself more, mm-hmm. what I realized was is because, you know, I had last year, I had finally started to get honest about my sexuality. Yeah. And I remember back then, you know, sleeping with multiple partners because I was like, maybe if I force myself to sleep with men, I will find somebody I truly love and I'll, I'll, you know, not that I didn't enjoy it, but it just something felt off. And I think that was a big part of why I was promiscuous at certain points. Dude. It wasn't satisfying. Let's just call it out. No. Exactly. Wasn't satisfying. Not cool. No. It wasn't great. No. I totally get it. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So let's fast forward now. Okay. Let's fast forward to uh you you had those relationships, you got out, you barely got out of that last one, and then you went into f- exploring this whole new you, right? Your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. I think we had we had a session and then shortly after that session you kind of you came flying out <laughs> and I had open arms for you embracing the moment just so happy yes. 
Um, and yeah. you were you were kind of petrified a little bit. You were a little like, oh my god, can I admit this? Can I can I do this? Let's talk about that for just a second. Yeah, that was an interesting. So when I had written my first book. I had an experience with a friend of mine that anytime we got drunk, we would fool around. Now I was married, she was married, the husband's new. And I remember, and so many women do this, right? So that's not yep. nothing to be ashamed of, but for, I think because I was trying to hide my sexuality or not admit it. And I think, well, I still am attracted to men. Like, does it really matter? Mm-hmm. I can just be with a man. Um, but I was curious and you know, I had all these feelings, I stuffed them away. So when I came into recovery, I had to start, you know, talking about them. That was the one thing I never talked about until last year. And I remember, you know, meeting up with a mutual friend of ours and doing my astrology report. Mm -hmm. And she had said, you know, Tamar, there's something in here, though, about, you know, a, a relationship and exploring your sexuality. And I had been thinking about this a lot, right? Because I was single now and I'm like, now is my opportunity. I can start to get honest about this. And I, you know, called you right after this. And I was like, Kaylaine, we need to talk. We did a session and I I started to get real about everything. Mm -hmm. But I was scared because, you know, there still is a lot of hate in this world. I was like, am I going to like this? Am I going to try this? And then, you know, like there was so much going through my head and I had hidden it for a very long time. And when we did our hypnotherapy session, I had had a memory of having a crush on a a girl when I was 12 and 14. And I remember it very well. Like now I remember it. And I believe that part of the reason other than my genetics that I drank was to stuff that away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's part of why I slept around it's part of why I stayed in these long, toxic relationships, right? Because I'm like, well, they're okay. Yeah. It's okay. I'm going to settle. Settling in shame. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, there's so many reasons that you came into my life. But when I heard, when I hear you talk about your past, your relationships, I'm like, Lane is a safe person in my life. Mm-hmm. And I started to meet more and more of those people. And, you know, you had told me, listen, start opening up to your close friends because this Mm -hmm. isn't something you want to hide. Like, this is something you can explore. It's not shameful. Like, you know, don't don't hide this. Mm -hmm. And I slowly started to open up to people in my circle. And everybody was super, like, amazing about it. I think my mom even said, oh, I knew that. I You were a tomboy when you were little. I knew that. It's so funny. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. My dad knew. He was like, yeah, yeah of course. I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Great. I'm so glad everybody knew this, but I didn't know. Yeah. I was keeping it a secret over here. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, God. I, I think it's really important uh, for women to understand that, uh, I don't know, there's like fluidity, you know? Like, we don't have to be mm-hmm. stuck in one way. No, it's like, no, go and explore and be, you know, there's so much, again, we're in recovery. The worst is over, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. God. I'm so, so glad that, that this is kind of unraveled for you because now you're in this other amazing relationship with a woman, uh, with mm-hmm. three kids doing full-time living life. Um, I know this last year was kind of, uh, Harry scary. Uh, you lost a job. 
you had to find a job. Uh, like there's just been a lot of turmoil. So how do you deal now at this stage of your recovery with like the ups and downs? Cause the downs go low, low, low. Um, yeah. what do you do to get back on track and really kind of, um, walk a sacred sober path? I get back down to the basics. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day that I believe that because I put so much effort into building the foundation of my recovery, that it has allowed me the grace to mm. at sometimes unravel and forget to pray or to, you know, do certain things um, that I did in my early sobriety. But I feel like I know I have to lean into my higher power. Like there has been a lot that has happened over the last year, like you mentioned, that I have had to say, okay, God, what next? Like, mm -hmm. I trust you. I trust that this is happening the way it's supposed to. Because when life starts to unravel like that, often we try to take control and do it our way. Mm -hmm. And that landed me in recovery in the first place, which I'm grateful for. But before that, it was a mess. So it's learning to let go of that and go, okay, God, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. And trust me, I didn't want to believe in God when I came here. But I was def desperate enough not to go back. But now being able to say, like, what next? I, I, I know you got me. And, and reach out. Like, I couldn't do this without my community. Yeah. I have so many cool friendships right now that when I'm not in a good place, I can phone somebody and say, I'm not okay. And so many people I see struggling with, they don't want to say that. Mm -hmm. So true. So would you say that you've become a believer in something else? Oh, yeah. What is that something? Oh, yeah. What is that something for you? Uh, well, I choose to call it God. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's really that inner knowing that intuition, the energy, the love, like I can pray and say, okay, God, I have no idea what to do in this situation. And to me, I never went to church. I didn't grow up religious. So it doesn't look like it might look like for people who have had that kind of upbringing. Mm -hmm. It's just someone that's there that's getting my back, that's got some plans for me. Because mm -hmm. I, I, if, if a higher power didn't exist, I wouldn't be alive today. Mm -hmm. Right. So true. That, that's the reality of my so situation and my story. Yeah. Yeah. And then how do you make contact with that, that essence? Because a lot of people struggle with this. So let's hear how you're making that that conscious contact. Uh, two ways I pray. And mm -hmm. I meditate. I mm -hmm. ask for guidance. Right. If, if there's something going on and I have a normal conversation, like I think we put too much into this where we're like, OK, I have to get down on my hands and knees and I have to put my hands like this. I just say, OK, God, like I have no idea what to do right now. Like, you know what's happening. Like, what do I do? And inevitably, when I'm talking and I'm being honest with people and reaching out for help, somebody will always say something to me that I'm like, there it is. There's the answer. I just have to listen to it. And the other way is meditation. If I'm, if my head is feeling messed up, I'll try and go somewhere that's quiet. Oftentimes it's down downstairs here, mm -hmm. put some headphones in, meditate, and then I come out and sometimes I just have the answers. Like that's mm -hmm. not me coming up with the answers. 
Right. It's so brilliant. It's so freaking brilliant. Simple. Uh, it's 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 simple and so many women and men, you know, just overthink it, overcomplicate yeah. it. And we, we don't have to do that. And one of the things that I love about you so much, Tamar, is just your willing to your willingness to try, right? Because mm-hmm. I've shared so many things with you and given you little assignments, you know, and little here, try this. And, and you're just always like, okay, I'll try it. Ugh. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> right. And, and I think yeah. that's such an, a key ingredient to just your liveliness, your kind of light spirit, this, like, your life is unraveling before me in such a beautiful way. And the partner that you have now, I'm just like, oh my God, yes, this is why we get sober. This is why we find recovery is so we can start living our best life and laugh the entire time, right? Even on the hard days, on the hard days, we need to find laughter, right? So how are you finding laughter on those hard days? (laughs) <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, especially lately, mm-hmm. we, shit's been coming I'm down there, on you guys. So what, yeah. How are you finding that laughter? It, it has, we are very intentional about the time we spend together mm-hmm. and we kind of talk about our day. We talk about what we need, how we can support each other. But I think I'm funny. You are and funny. Oftentimes, oftentimes I will say something that my partner may not necessarily find funny, but what she does find funny is that I think I'm funny. (laughs) And so we'll just laugh. And I am very good also at looking at the bright side of things. Mm -hmm. I can take any situation and say, well, you know what? This is, you know, um, had things not happened the way they did, we wouldn't be here right now. 100%. Right? We'll watch We'll watch a comedy. If we need something, we'll watch something funny. We'll watch TikTok. Well, she watches TikTok. I can't stand TikTok. But she'll show me funny TikTok videos, you know, animal videos. We are very intentional about trying to seek out funny things. And I, I joke around with the kids a lot. Um, there's heavy stuff happening in the mm-hmm. house right now. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I can always do is take something serious and make it funny. And I only do that after it's appropriate to do so. <laughs> is it appropriate? Really? They love it. <laughs> Tamar, I'm so glad that I get to do this with you. It's just such joy. Uh, I hope that this has been helpful for our listeners. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. It's been so much fun. Is there anything else that you want to share? Just keep laughing. Yeah. You know, we don't need that glass of wine with our girlfriends to have fun. You will build the most authentic and fulfilling relationships Mm -hmm. when you put down, put down the booze, put down the booze and any other thing that may be causing you harm, right? It's like food, gambling, money, shopping, uh, men, all of it, you know, you deserve your worth showing up for. Thanks so much for hanging out. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Laughing Without Liquor. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Living in recovery can be a blast, and we are glad you're laughing without the liquor with us. We hope you'll join us again in the next episode. Until then, take care.